Hellotion, my friends, the Heinz Honey and Almond Cream Program. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. She's the best little skipper in the land. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. Won't you please give this little girl a hand? Starring George Burns and Heinz Honey, Gracie Allen, with Frank Parker, Ray Noble and his orchestra, and Truman Bradley speaking. A hundred million songs, that's right, you can go on, so go Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Hello. Oh, George, what will it be tonight? Shall we talk about you, or shall we talk about something interesting, or shall we talk Richie, about... Richie, let's talk about me. All right. Uh, tell me about you. Uh, what do you think of the way I upset them at the Wisconsin primaries last week? You upset the Wisconsin primaries? Yes. What about Dewey? Dewey? Who's Dewey? <laughs> he's, uh, he's a Republican. Oh, he's the one. Yes, he's the one. He's the one who's running against you for president. Oh, the poor fellow. What's he going to do for a living? <laughs> oh, he'll do all right. It happens that he carried Wisconsin. Well, he won't carry it far. If you saw the front page of the Milwaukee Sentinel, you know it was a landslide for me. A landslide for you? I got 63 votes. <laughs> 63 three votes out of millions of voters in Wisconsin? Oh, well, that was only in one copy of the paper. And that paper has a circulation of 187,000. 187,000 times 63. All right, Tracy. That bingo and never mind. Just imagine me getting 63 votes in Wisconsin yeah. last Tuesday, and I wasn't even there. I see. The whole thing's silly. Yeah. <laughs> I was at the Pantages Theater seeing too many husbands. All right, so it was silly. Oh, certainly it's silly. There's no such a thing as too many husbands, if <laughs> you know what I mean. I think I know what you mean, Now, if the Republicans and Democrats are going to keep nominating me at their primaries, there'll be nothing left for my party to do, and you know I'm a one-party girl. <laughs> Hello, Gracie. Oh, there's my party now. Yeah. <laughs> I say, Gracie, I brought you a little remembrance. Oh, Ray Noble, why, they're Easter lilies. <laughs> yes, I want you to remember Easter. Oh, thanks. <laughs> spring, spring, I love spring. You know what Tennyson said? No, what did he say? Well, I don't know, I wasn't listening, but I just love spring. <laughs> Look, uh, what's going on here? Spring. Spring. Um, George, old boy, would you mind taking Truman and Frank out into the hall? I'd like to talk to Gracie, and it's very confidential. It is, huh? There are millions of people listening in. Well, would you mind taking them out with you? Yeah, well, come on, folks. Let's go out. <laughs> hello, Fred. Hello, Pinky. Oh, hello, Frank. Well, well, what does the man in the street think about tonight? I'm not the man in the street. Well, you will be, brother, when Gracie's elected. <laughs> First of all, Gracie is not going to be elected, and when she is, I'll be able to take care of myself. That's right. George can always follow in his father's footsteps. Mm. Yeah. What was his father? A ski jumper. <laughs> he was not. He was a baseball player. And you were his first era. Oh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> don't worry about me. I don't need a job. I've saved my money. Oh, you said it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Uh, never mind, never mind. I'm not so cheap. Me. You said it, sir. Oh, stop. Well, didn't you all just have lunch at my house this afternoon? Well, we haven't eaten out of paper plates since we ate over at Jack Penny's. <laughs> What's wrong with serving lunch on paper plates? Well, at least you could have served it on today's paper. <laughs> today's paper? Yeah. It wasn't a formal lunch, you know. Oh. Don't you worry about George getting a job. He had the sponsor to dinner last week. You said it. I had him eating right out of my hand. Oh, no plates at all, huh? 
Tracy, I happen to have a set of plates, and they're beautiful. Oh, especially when you smile. Smile for the lady. Good. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> I may have my faults, but on me, they look good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> especially the IT. Yeah, the book day, yeah. As it, George, you know that saying that a wise man changes his mind, but a fool never? Yeah, I know that saying, Ray. Well, would you change your mind and take Truman and Frank out into the hall so can I can be alone with Grace? Oh, yeah, will you, George? Look, what's going on in here tonight? Well, you see, it's spring, and I want to ask Gracie to help me with my income tax. <laughs> Ray, anything you want to ask, Gracie, you ask me. Well, will you kiss me, George? Will you go away? <laughs> go away! Sonny Gracie Allen speaking. What? You called up to say you're going to vote for me? Oh, thank you. Well, I certainly appreciate it. What? Well, sure, I'll be glad to send you a picture. Where shall I send it? Oh, oh, just bring it home with me? Oh, hello, Mother. Oh, it's your mother. Fine. What? The census taker was there? Well, did you tell him I wanted to ask him some questions? Oh, oh, he's on his way down, huh? Y you called him what? A loafer, a tramp, a hobo, a bum, a good-for-nothing, and a heel, and he liked it? Oh, oh, he just forced him to name. <laughs> if your daddy was there, he could probably retire. What, Mother? Laura? She's sick? Oh, isn't that too bad, George? My kangaroo is sick. Oh, yes, Laura, the party emblem. Oh, you don't say, Mother. She has a fever of 115? Well, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I see. You're putting some potatoes in a lake of lamb in bed with her. Oh, yeah. Well, let me know when they're done. Yeah. <laughs> Ought to be delicious. Well, I'll be home right after the broadcast. But don't let that lamb burn. Keep turning Laura over. Yeah, goodbye. Gracie, your family was nutty enough before you got that kangaroo. Well, it's really serious, George. Mother said they had eight doctors there today, and they all said the same thing. What did they say? Two dollars in advance. <laughs> Yes, that stuff is contagious. Oh, what well, fever is nothing, Gracie. Why, once I had a fever of 120. Fever of 120? How did you live? I got an annuity. <laughs> Gracie, how did Laurie, a kangaroo, get sick? Well, she caught a cold. She slept all night with her pouch open. She did, oh, well, that's all I want. <laughs> Here's a grand way to keep your hands feeling comfortable when you're spring cleaning. Smooth Heinz Honey and Almond Cream all over your hands often during the day. It takes just a moment, and it's certainly worth it. For Heinz is extra creamy, extra softening to dry, chapped hands. And it contains two vitamins, too, A and D. Use Heinz before each cleaning job. It helps guard your skin against the drying effects of dust, harsh cleansers, and hot water. Then after each job, get out your bottle of Heinz again. Smooth this creamy emulsion over your fingers, especially around the cuticle over the backs of your hands, on your dry, hard palms, up the wrists and arms. Heinz quickly coaxes back that softer look and feel. You'll find that even one application of Heinz helps your tender, work-abused hands look much nicer. So get Heinz Honey and Almond Cream tonight. The 10 or 25-cent size is handy to carry in your apron pocket as you work. The 50-cent or the big dollar size Heinz is economical for the whole family to use. Ask at the nearest toilet goods counter for Heinz, spelled... H-I-N-D-S. Now, Frank Parker. Thanks, Sue. The scene is from the musical play, The Girl from Utah. The time is the year 1914. The song is They Didn't Believe Me, composer Jerome Kern, The Boy Me, The Girl You. And when I told them how beautiful 
Lift your eyes, your cheeks, your hair Are in a glass beyond compare You're the loveliest girl that one could be And when I tell them And I'm certainly going to tell them That I'm the man get tired listening to your singing. You know, every week you seem to get better. Ah, George, you, you make me feel like a dog. You're always saying nice things about me, and here you are without a voice, without a future, very little personality, or hardly anything else. Oh, <laughs> Kid. But really, I, I'm serious, George, and I'd like to say something nice about you. Well, why don't you? Well, I will as soon as I can think of something. <laughs> I'll remember that when your option is due. Oh, don't pay any attention to Frank, George. He only repeats what everybody else says. Well, now I feel better. Oh, dear, where's Bubbles? There's so much campaign mail to answer. I've been getting letters from colleges, mayors, governors, politicians, executives, farmers, doctors. How about pajamas? Search law, please. Lawyers. Quiet, quiet, quiet. And not only do I get letters, today I got an oil painting. It was a picture of Sally Rand. Must be valuable. Valuable? It was a whistler. A whistler? Yeah, every time my daddy looks at it, he goes... You whistle with your mouth closed like that. <laughs> well, we've covered everything except Sally Rand. <laughs> come in, come in. I say, come along in. Come in. Ray. <laughs> there's, uh, there's nobody knocking. Oh, yes, there is. I'll answer it. Hello. Who? Oh, just a minute. I'll tell him. George, somebody wants you, Frank and Truman, out in the hall. <laughs> uh, who wants us out in the hall? I do. I'd like to talk to Gracie. Ray, after the broadcast, you'll have all the time in the world. Oh. Oh. Hi, Bubbles. My Bubbles, you've got on a new dress. Yes, it came from sacks. The family sacks? <laughs> no, potato sacks. Oh. 
certainly looks sexy, Bubbles. Yeah, I know. Say, Gracie, what are we going to do with all these letters from important people? We'll just write and invite them to my surprise party convention in Omaha in May and tell them they can all be my guests. Well, that's nice. At popular prices. Well, and they'll surely come. And sign it, um, oh, what's that name again? Oh, yes, Gracie Allen. Oh, yes, that's the name. <laughs> hey, you, stop, please. Leave those cars alone. Those cars belong to George, Frank, and Truman. What's going on there, Ray? Oh, nothing. Somebody's trying to steal your cars. We haven't got any cars. Really? Well, you three fellows can borrow mine if you want to go someplace. <laughs> so uh, you can be along with Gracie. George, you're psychic. Cheerio. Oh, cheerio. Cheerio. Come back to her, Gracie. Oh, well, I'll see you later, Ray, and give me back my chewing gum. Huh? And Gracie, here's some more letters. The Silver Lake Young Democrats, the New York State Young Republican Club. Did we get a letter from Clark Abel? Clark Abel? What's he got to do with your running? Oh, who do you think I'm running after? <laughs> He, uh, he happens to have a wife. Oh, she can be repealed. You know, Gracie, I do wish you'd get elected. Then I'd have nothing to do. Nothing to do? Well, then you'd really have your hands full. Full of what? Shoelaces, newspapers, pencils, whatever you're selling, brother. Yeah. Say, <laughs> so, George, George, I just made a bet for us. I bet Ray Noble $6 against $6 bottles of Heinz honey and almond cream that he can't get Frank, you, and me out in the hall. Well, that's one bet he'll lose. Ray, you lost. All right, well, I'm not a welcher. I'll pay off. My secretary will give you the money. She's in my office. Where's your office? Out in the hall. Well, you get out of here. <laughs> Come in. Good evening. I'm the census taker. Oh, yes. My mother phoned me about you. Come in and pull up a chair. I can only sit down a second. Oh, well, then pull up a splinter. <laughs> uh, my name is George Burns. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Burns? This is indeed a pleasure. Tell me, do you smoke? Why, yes. Soothing, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> Mister, do you say you're a census enumerator? Have you got a card to identify yourself? Oh, he doesn't need one. He knows who he is. Mm. Gracie, why did your mother send him over here? Well, I'm being elected president, and it's very important that I find out how many people over 21 are old enough to vote. Well, I wouldn't be without a piece of information like that. You know, Miss Allen, all the information I get is confidential. In fact, it's so confidential that half of it goes in one ear and comes out the other. Oh, isn't that kind of drafty? <laughs> yes, you'll probably catch cold uh, sleeping with an open mind. Now, you know, what I'm asking for isn't very confidential. All I want to know is what goes on with our neighbors after they pull down the shade. That's all you want to know. That's all. Well, you see, these census takers are pledged to secrecy. They can't tell anybody anything. That's right. So whatever I tell you is in strictest confidence. Or so, what? <laughs> of course, I'm not the one to talk, but the last three days I gathered enough dirt to raise my own vegetables. Oh! <laughs> isn't that exciting? Now, look, uh, Mrs. Jones across the street, is she a Republican, or is that her natural hair? Oh, you don't need to worry about her. She was 38 last October, and she looks it. 38? That's her waistline. Her hips are 10 years older. <laughs> well, her husband certainly ought to know how old she is. Oh, her husband tells you. No, I found out from the maid. Oh, the husband told her. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. Mister, I thought all your information was confidential. It is, so don't breathe it to a soul. <laughs> Look, you're here to take Gracie's senses and not to gossip about her neighbors. Oh, yes, I'd better get to work. Now, Miss Allen, what is your name? Gracie. Uh, what's your surname? Sir Gracie. I, I mean your full name. Oh, Gracie M.M.M. Allen. Well, what does the M.M.M. stand for? M.M.M. Memory. I was named after my aunt and she stutters. Oh, yeah, that's the one who looks like last year's calendar. Yes, the, the pretty, pretty one. one. The one without the face. Yes. Uh, do you live in Hollywood? Uh, she goes out with George Burns, if you call that living. Oh, quiet, quiet. <laughs> Toto. Uh, I live 
next door to Nelson Eddy. Oh, yes, I just took his senses. Oh, tell me, are they really happy, or is that the vacuum cleaner I hear humming all day? <laughs> well, did you know that Nelson Eddy sings in the bathtub? How did that leak out? No plug in the tub. <laughs> say, uh, say, tell me something. Does Nelson Eddy have a shower beside the tub? Yes. Does he have a rubber curtain? Yes. Does he have hot and cold water? Mm-hmm. See, George, what's he got that I haven't got? Shrapnel bread. <laughs> uh, Miss Allen, are your parents natural-born American? Well, my mother was natural-born. The staff brought her, but my father had a hitchhike. <laughs> uh, regarding income, what do you get a week? Well, it all depends. Now, one week I get a cold, one week a headache. No, I mean, I mean, what do you earn? Oh, that's a salary. <laughs> What are you laughing at? I don't get it. You said it. <laughs> and here's Ray Noble's arrangement of Gracie's campaign song. that you're always able to make such swell arrangements. Well, George, if you'll step out into the hall, my sex... Never mind the hall. Just tell me right here. Well, it's very simple, old boy. You see, whenever I see spots in front of my eyes, I just write them down and the boys play them. These, uh, these spots that you see, are they... are they... are they dots? No, they're mine. <laughs> well, uh, 
spots. <laughs> you know, my brother used to see spots in front of his eyes, but he cured himself by drinking. By, uh, by drinking? Yeah, now pink elephants hide the spots. <laughs> now, if we, can, if we can just get something for the elephant to hide behind. Uh-huh. You're looking at me, Mr. Burns. I'm not available. <laughs> I never mentioned you. That's for you, probably. You might as well answer. Hello? I'm Penny speaking. Yes? Yes. Oh, how old is the little girl? Oh, really? Well, around that age, they can eat salad food. Oh, she does. Oh, well, she'll get over that. You have to expect things like that from little girls of that age. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Who is that? Judge Jessel. <laughs> I thought your kangaroo's cold was getting worse, I hope. Big Gracie. Gracie, I read a great remedy for colds that might help Laura. Oh, good. Yes, sir. You take an old stocking, rub it with mercurochrome, and tie it around your throat. Oh, of course, you take your foot out of the stocking first. Naturally, naturally. <laughs> and then you rub your forehead with a gold wedding ring. Where did you read that, woman? At lunch today on one of your dinner plates. Look, let's settle this once and for all. If you fellows didn't like my food, why did you come to my house for lunch? Well, where else can you get a 35-cent lunch for 40 cents? <laughs> All I know is that half of my personal silverware is missing. You mean that stuff marked Beverly Wilshire Hotel? Yeah, my personal silverware. <laughs> well, it's the first time I ever saw a sandwich made out of a slice of ham between two pieces of confetti. <laughs> it's daintier that way and quiet. Well, I really enjoyed your lunch, and George. It wasn't just the food, it was also the hospitality. Thanks, Joe. Although the hospitality could have had a little bit more meat on it. Huh? <laughs> well, you know, at most luncheons, there's a very little conversation. All you hear is pass this, pass that, pass this. But at your luncheon, it was really marvelous because there was nothing to pass. <laughs> I don't know what you're complaining about, but then it didn't cost you anything. The food was on the cup. Well, it wouldn't have been if you'd served napkins. Oh, quiet. <laughs> I've had enough of this. It's going to be a cold, cold day before See, I... George, George, instead of serving meals for a living, you can always be a singing announcer, you know. Why, with your voice, you can open up a new field. And plant corn. Oh. <laughs> singing commercials. Well, you think you're kidding. It's not a bad idea. No. What song would you use, George, to sell Heinz honey and almond cream? Huh? Oh, there are thousands of songs that I can sing. Yeah, there's only one that you know, ain't Mr. Haven. <laughs> yeah? Well, what about this one? <clears throat> if your hands are up and right hand, you roll by yourself... Get Heinz honey and almond cream, you'll find it on the shelf. A trolley could count as what does it amount to? Ten, twenty, about fifteen dollars size, and it'll be popular all the guys. You ain't Mr. Haven, I'll buy on the shelf. I ain't Mr. Haven. I'm, I'm happy. Hello. Why? <laughs> How do you like that? It was the wrong number. Yeah, any number you sing is the wrong number. Oh, yeah. yeah. Say, Frank, I think you've got a little too far. Kidding is kidding, and George, I wouldn't stand for any more. Of course, there's no harm in what he says to the elevator boy, but when he stands the right here in front of the elevator boy? Yes. When he stands... But, uh, what'd he say? Well, yes. I, I couldn't repeat it. Well, I'm going out to find out. I'll take the elevator uh, Gracie, I didn't say anything to the elevator boy. Oh. Oh, well, then you better go out and tell George. It was Truman. I will. Gracie, I didn't say anything to the elevator boy. Oh, oh well, then you better go out and apologize to Frank. I certainly will. You know, Gracie, this is the first time you and I have ever been alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, would you rather be alone with me or alone with Maine and Vermont? Well, I feel a little strange with them. I don't know them as well as I know you. <laughs> People are funnier than anybody else. Mm-hmm. 
I say, Gracie, I just love your campaign. Oh, thanks. I got it at Magnum. It's a copy of a 3750 model. Mm -hmm. I notice it's made of odds and ends. Yes, isn't it odd where it ends? Rather. Say, Ray, when I have my convention in Omaha next month, you'll make a wonderful delegate. Oh, I won't always be delegate. I'm going to drink a lot of malted milk and I'll be big and strong. Would you like a malted milk now? With an egg? No, I'd rather have it with you. <laughs> well, I say, Gracie, when you're in the White House, will you forget all about me? Well, I will if you forget about me. Well, let's just forget about each other, then. Huh? Oh, well, let's write it down, and then we'll remember it. Yes, we might forget it. Uh, my daddy always ties a string in his finger. Why? To keep it from falling off. <laughs> Gracie, would you like to sit on my lap? No, I'd rather sit on your lap. All right, then you sit on my lap. Oh, now you see? Isn't it better my way? Gracie, put your arms around me. Uh, like this? Mm-hmm. Do you mind if I whisper something in your ear? Nah. What is it? You're stepping on my foot. <laughs> Do you mind if I whisper something in your ear? No. What is it? Pardon me. <laughs> Come on, everybody, get your copy of Gracie's campaign song and start singing. We've got to get Gracie in the White House, you know, even if we have to paint the one she's in. Gracie is so proud of her song, Vote for Gracie, she wants you to have a copy. Now, all you have to do to get it is send your name and address to her on the back of a Heinz honey and almond cream carton. Any size carton will do. But if you use the 10-cent size, be sure to send two cartons. Address your envelope to Gracie Allen, Hollywood, California. And in a few days, you get a copy of this crazy campaign song complete with words and music and a big picture of Gracie on the cover. Now, act quickly, because this offer is good for a limited time only. In the meantime, don't forget to treat your hands to Heinz. The minute you take your hands out of dishwater... Comfort the chapped, red, puffy skin with Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. Every fine drop of this creamy, fragrant lotion helps make your hands smoother and nicer. Heinz is extra creamy, extra softening, and contains two vitamins. You can get Heinz Honey and Almond Cream at any toilet goods counter, and be sure to take the carton, write your name and address on it, and mail it to Gracie Allen, Hollywood, California, for your copy of Gracie's song, Vote for Gracie. Thanks, Truman. Now Gracie will sing Frank Lesser and Jimmy McHugh's new song from Buck Benny Rides Again. My, my. My thoughts are sticky and clever. My line was sharp as a tack. But ever since I met you, everything's gone black. I want to shout a poem about how I dream of that gleam in your eyes. I want to shout, but all that comes out is my, my. I want to sing the flowers of spring, but oh dear, when you're near, I just die. I want to sing and dance in the thing, but my, my. Now I should say, oh, how lovely. And I should say, ah, how sweet. I should have Shakespeare at the tip of my tongue. But every time we leave, I let the do. And what do I do? I get weak, I can't speak, I just sigh. And though I try, the best I can try is my, my. Tell me why my voice don't obey and help me to say how I go when you throw me in high. I want to cheer, but all you can hear is my, my, my. I have a tongue that never has some 
should say, how intriguing. And I, I should say, how unique. I should have Webster in the palm of my hand. But every time we meet dead pigeons, I look at you and what do I do? I get weak, I can't speak, I just cry. And though I try the best I can try, it's The minute you see a jar of the new Heinz hand cream, I'll bet you'll want to try it. Why, it looks for all the world like a fine face cream. And as a matter of fact, this Heinz hand cream is swelled both for hands and face. It's made by the makers of Heinz honey and almond cream. And like the famous lotion itself, Heinz new hand cream is quick softening and fragrant. Try it, will you? Well, Gracie, say goodnight. Well, well, goodnight. Good and when I'm in Washington, don't forget to drop in and see me at the White House. I don't know the address, but I'll leave a congressman burning in the window. Good night, all. <laughs> Next Wednesday, at the same time, we'll all be back again. Join us, will you? This is Truman Bradley saying good night for Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Once again, Mutual Don Lee brings you the thrilling adventures of the shadow, the hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. June, the traditional month of weddings. June, the month when almost every American knows someone, either relative or close friend, who goes on that happy march down the aisle. As you see the blushing bride and her bashful groom, your thoughts naturally turn to the future. Will these young people, starting off so bravely in life together, eventually own their own home, say a pleasant white cottage in the country, or the more sturdy red brick house of the city? They will if they follow this advice. Save money regularly through United States savings bonds. There's no better investment in the world. Savings bonds are both safe and profitable. In just ten years' time, they pay back four dollars for every three you put in. Now is the time to back your future. Save today for a happy tomorrow through United States savings bonds. They are always conveniently available at banks, post offices, and on the payroll savings plan where you work. But now, the shadow. Today, by popular request, Blue Coal again brings you one of the most outstanding shadow dramatizations of all time. The exciting story called... Death in a minor key. The shadow who aids the forces of law and order is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Death 
in a minor key. Death in a minor key. You know, to me, that expression brings back the memory of a series of weird, eerie musical notes in a minor key that had a tragic bearing on my life. It's funny, isn't it, how all of us recall a certain sound that we associate in our minds with a strange, indeterminate feeling of uneasiness or fear. Like... Yeah. Like the cry of a coyote as it's silhouetted against the night sky. Or the wild shriek of a siren as an ambulance catapults through the city's darkened streets. And then there's even the sound of a distant train whistle punctuating the evening stillness. Bringing with it that lost, empty sensation of being all alone in a strange, lonesome world around you. Huh. That's odd. I just happened to think. All of those sounds that I described are night sounds. I guess that does have significance, too. Because the night is, well, night is a time for fear. And it was at night, too, that those notes in a minor key were heard. Faintly at first. Ever so faintly. Played on a strange instrument. Then as they came closer, you heard uneven, heavy-footed steps. The sounds are louder now. The footsteps nearer. Nearer, 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 nearer. <laughs> well, I seem to be getting ahead of my story. It's one that I think will interest you, so if you'd like me to pass it on, suppose I start at the beginning. My name is Terry Mason. My mother and father died in an accident when I was 12, and I was brought up by an only uncle. My story really begins down in Santa Domingo, where I spent two years supervising one of the family plantations. Well, Santa Domingo was all right, but believe you me, I was a very happy guy when the day finally arrived for me to board a ship to return to the States. The main reason for that happiness was, uh, well, because I was in love. Yeah, not only in love, but on my way to get married. The girl was Barbara Norton, so you can imagine how anxious I was for that boat to get to New York and get there fast. Well, I got to New York all right. And the following day in a little church downtown. Do you, Barbara Norton, take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? I do. I do. Yeah, it was a beautiful ceremony, I guess. But I wasn't the man who married Barbara Norton. What happened? Well, there were probably a dozen reasons. So let's just say that two years was too long for her to wait. Well, a thing like that's pretty tough to take. All my hopes and dreams of a future were wrapped up in Barbara. Then all of a sudden, boom, there's nothing. After she was gone, there was only one thing to do. Try to forget to lose myself in bright lights, music, and the gay whirl of the city's night spots. When one place would close, I'd dig up another. My favorite hangout was the Sky Room. Of course, I know I shouldn't have gone there because everyone knew me. But I just liked the idea of kicking it around 40 stories above the ground. I never took a table, 
just sat at the bar and listened hazily to the jumble of conversation around me. Care to dance, Margo? Not yet, Lamont. I'm having too much fun just watching. Ah, <laughs> uh, darling. Hmm? You see that young man sitting at the bar? You know, he's been staring at you for the past ten minutes. Hey, wait a minute. I believe I know him. Of course, that's young Terry Mason. Oh, for heaven's sake, I haven't seen him in years. Well, if he's a friend, ask him over. You mind? No, no, I, I, I wish you would. Terry? Hey, Terry. Yeah? Oh, Lamont. Come on over. If he can make it. Oops, he almost landed on that table. Hello, Terry. Sam, glad to see you. <laughs> How are you, Lamont? Well, fine, thank you. Well, this is Miss Lane, Terry. How do you do? How, How are you, Terry? Yeah, sit down. All right. Oh, tell me, where have you been all these years? Hmm? Oh, Santa Domingo plantation stuff. Two years of it. Finally got fed up and came back, huh? Are you kidding? Why, what do you mean? You know why I came back. I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> there you see, Miss Lane, that's Cranston, always the gentleman. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, I came back to get married. But you want to know what happened? <laughs> I was jilted. Oh, that's a shame. There was I, you waiting at the church. Oh, come on, let's have a drink. Who was the girl? Barbara Norton. Oh. Barbara Norton? Yes, I know her. Nice kid, nice kid. Good to her parents. Woman of her word, too. <laughs> yeah, woman of her word. Well, just what happened, Terry? I was away too long. That's the story they give me. I was away too long. But that isn't the real story, not by a long shot. What do you mean, Terry? They're all working together on this thing. They're working against me. Who? Who's working together? My uncle, Barbara, and her father, Dr. Norton. I don't understand, Terry. My uncle controls my inheritance, Lamont. Today, I learned that he and Dr. Norton were planning to confine me in the doctor's private sanitarium. What do you think of that? Well, now, maybe they're doing it for your own good. <laughs> oh, sure. Just like Barbara married somebody else for my own good. Oh, no. No, sir. They're all working together. They want that inheritance. And if they get me to that sanitarium, they know they'll have it. Where is this place, Terry? It's up the Hudson. It used to be our family home. Terry, I think you're putting too much stress on this whole thing. Lamont, you've got to believe me. If they can find me in that place, I'll never come out alive. Well, in spite of all I could do, they put me in the sanitarium the next day. It's for your own good, Terry, they kept telling me. Oh, yes. What they really meant was that it was for their own good. Well, I kept my eyes and ears open, waiting. Waiting for something to happen. And then... That very first night in the hall of the sanitarium, a sound was heard. Faintly at first. Ever so faintly. Then footsteps. Nearer. 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 I rushed to the phone quickly. I knew that I had to call Lamont Cranston at once. He was the only one that I could turn to. The only one. Don't answer that, Lamont. I know it'll be someone who'll give you an excuse for not taking me to the lecture. That, Margaret, would be the neatest trick of the week. No such luck. Uh, I'd better answer it. Oh. Hello. Yes. Oh. Yes, Terry, how are you? Where are you? Sanitarium. What? Murder. Are you sure? I see. 
Yes, I, I know where the place is. All right, Terry, I'll be right up. What's the trouble? It was Terry Mason. Someone's just been murdered at the sanitarium. Ooh. Come along, darling. We'll go up there at once. <laughs> You know, Mr. Cranston, when you're first telling me that I'm taking you my cab to house up the Hudson, I am thinking of only of one house which is up the Hudson, and this house is not a house which I am fond of. Indeed, on account of bars which is on the window. Yes, I know, Shreve. You turn left in this driveway. Uh, yes. Oh, Lamont, is that the sanitarium up there on the hill? Yes, darling. Gee, it's a grim-looking place, isn't it? Old stone walls and high turrets. Almost looks like a prison. The house to which I'm referring is a prison also, although it ain't the same house in it. You'd better stop here, sweetie. Hey, uh, yes, sir. Why, aren't you going right up to the door? No, Terry will meet us at the cellar door. He doesn't want anyone to know we're coming. Do you really think that a murder's been committed here, darling? I don't know, Margot. The whole thing may be a wild goose chase. Young Terry's in a highly nervous condition, mm -hmm. but I do think it's worth an investigation. Uh, you wait here, Shrevey. Ah, uh, and I'm keeping beside me my jack handle, just in case, just in case. Come on, Not darling. Not a bad idea. Look, whole place is shrouded in darkness. Well, it's quite late, you know. Yeah, but you'd think that... Come on. What's that? What? What are you talking about? Look, that cloaked figure disappearing into the shadows of the building. Yes. You? Yes, I see him, Margot. That looks very much like Terry's uncle. Oh, then you know him, then? Yes. Both he and Dr. Norton are old friends of mine. He's gone now. I wonder what he's doing here. Yeah. This must be the cellar door Terry mentioned. He should be right inside. Is that you, Lamar? Yes, I have Miss Lane with me. I see. Come in, both of you. Watch your step. Now follow me. Terry, what is all this? You've got to be quiet, please. The murderer is still in the house. Perhaps even at this very minute, he's listening to our conversation. What murder? Who are you talking about? We'll stop here. Now, do you see that door? Yes. That leads to the operating room. In that room is the body of the woman who's been murdered. How do you know? They took her there a few minutes ago. Who? Who are they? My uncle and Dr. Norton. Then that was Terry's uncle we saw. Yes. Look, Terry, how do you know that a murder's been committed? Well, I, I just know, that's all. Did you actually see it done? No, no, I didn't. Well, then. But I, I did hear something. Weird music in a minor key, accompanied by the uneven thump of a cripple walking. When the music reached a crescendo, the woman screamed. And then she was found dead. Who's the woman? An elderly patient here at the sanitarium. But who would kill her? What's the motive? I have a theory about that, too. In fact, it's more than a theory. That old lady who just died was a very wealthy woman. My uncle handles all of her investments. In fact, every one of them in this sanitarium is a person of wealth. And all of them are friends of my uncle and Dr. Norton. You're not accusing them of murder, Terry. Why not? Why have they got me here? They get me out of the way, that's why. I'm just one of the hand-picked victims. But they're not getting me, do you no, hear me? No, no, that's no, why Terry, I called you to Terry, help me. Take it easy. Margot, take, take Terry easy. upstairs to his room. See that he takes something to make him sleep. No, I want to know. I, I, I want to know what that music was that I heard. Please, Terry. If you want me to help, you must go along with Margot. I want to investigate a few things here by myself. All right, all right. This way, Miss Lane. Uh, just a minute. Lamont, what are you going to do? I'm going to pay a visit to that operating room, Margot. As the shadow.
examine the body completely, Doctor. Yes, and believe me, when the coroner arrives, he'll find nothing wrong. You're sure of that? Yes. Yes, I am. Doctor, what can we do about Terry? Frankly, I don't know. The boy must be taken care of. He must be. <laughs> what was that? You'll pardon my intruding on your private conversation, gentlemen. Who are you? Where are you? I'm called the Shadow, gentlemen. Shadow? You heard of me, perhaps? Yes, 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 of course. You must know that although I stand here beside you, you cannot see me. By my hypnotic power, I've clouded your minds. Why are you here? I am seeking information, gentlemen. Information about the death of that woman whose body lies on the table before you. Why, there is no information to give you. No? How did she die? We can't tell that until the coroner arrives. It couldn't have been murder, could it, Doctor? Murder? I don't know what you mean. Just before her death, did you by any chance hear music? Weird music and the sound of a cripple walking? No. No, we heard nothing. Why are you so anxious to get rid of young Terry Mason? Get rid of him? Yes. Didn't I hear you say the boy must be taken care of? I I didn't mean it that way. Those were your words, gentlemen. Just let me warn you. I'm very interested in the welfare of young Terry Mason. If anything should happen to him, anything at all, gentlemen, I warn you. You will answer to the shadow. For many businessmen, few things in life add up to more pleasure than a good old fishing trip. There's that indescribable thrill you get when your wily game rises to the lure and strikes. There's the thrill of hauling him in. And later around the campfire as you fry the day's catch, there's the fun of telling your pals how the big one got away. Yes, fishing's a grand sport, and chances are you'll want to do more and more of it as the years roll on. Of course, more fishing means you'll need more leisure time, and more leisure time calls for money. The best way in the world to guarantee yourself money for any reason in the future is to save now through United States savings bonds. What a swell investment they are. It only takes ten years for each three dollars you invest to grow into four. Try and match that. Besides, United States savings bonds make it so easy to save. Just buy a bond yourself each payday at any bank or post office or get on the payroll savings plan. Either way, your money adds up fast and you hardly miss it. Folks, back your future by saving now. For a happy tomorrow, save today. Buy and hold United States savings bonds. And now back to the shadow. Ready to leave, Shrevey. Hop in, darling. Oh, thanks. Uh, Mr. Cranston, I ask you should ignore paying any attention to that taxi media should. Why, Shrevey? Uh, the jack handle and I'm holding for my protection slipped and fell against it and ups to 20 bucks. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll ignore it all. Uh, I'm referring to, uh, or rather referring to it in my accounts as paper profits. Okay, Shrevey. Lamont, what'd you learn downstairs? Well, I went into that operating room and found that Terry's uncle and Dr. Norton were examining the corpse of the old woman who died. Do you think she was murdered? Well, I saw no evidence of violence. Both men swore she'd met a natural death. Then you think it was just Terry's imagination after all? No, I don't. It's hard to say at this point just what I do think. Well, do you still think that Terry might be right? Yes, I do. Well, then what do you propose to do? I think I'm going to call on you for help, darling. Me help? How? Tomorrow I want you to go to Dr. Norton's office, pretend you're verging on a nervous breakdown, and gain admittance to the sanitarium as a patient. Well, all right, but how does one inquire a nervous breakdown? How? Just watch the cabbie take these turns. Uh, not a bad suggestion. No, seriously, Marco, I do this myself. Only Dr. Norton and Terry's uncle both know me. 
Now, what do you say? Well, sure, but... Sure, I'll do it. Good girl. You must see the doctor first thing tomorrow and gain admittance to the sanitarium no later than tomorrow night. Are you quite comfortable, Miss Lane? Uh, yes. Yes, thank you, Nurse. Well, there's a cord right above your bed if you wish to ring. Yes, I know, I know. You told me that. Well, I'll just open your window and put out your light. There, now. Do try to get a good night's sleep. I'll try. Good night. Good night. Good night. Hmm. Try to get a good night's sleep. That's funny. Well, I can try. What's that? Work. Lights have been cut off. Oh, Somebody's coming in the door. Who is that? Why don't you answer me? Now don't come any closer because I'm. Shh. Quiet, Miss Lane. It's I, Terry. Oh, you frightened me. Sorry, but you must come with me to the cellar at once. The killer's loose again. <laughs> Oh, Lamont, what are you doing here? I was outside keeping watch and I heard the scream. At first I thought it might have been you. No, I'm all right, thanks to Terry here. I think the murderer struck again. Yes, and just the way that Terry described. The weird music, the footsteps, and then the scream. Who was it this time? I don't know. But there was one unusual thing that Miss Lane didn't mention. The footsteps seemed to be coming down a staircase. And yet, there are no stairs in that wing of the house. Yes, I noticed that, too. Anything else? Yes, there is. About 25 minutes ago, I heard the house phone ring. I listened in on the extension in my room, and I heard my uncle tell Dr. Norton that he'd be over here shortly. Yes, I saw his car drive in. Well, there's... Uh-oh. Someone next door in the operating room. It sounds like Uncle and Dr. Norton. I've said the latest victim's body in there. Oh, Lamont, I... Terry, go back upstairs at once. We'll get back to your rooms before you're missed. Yes, yes, that's right. Come on, Miss Lane. I'll be right with you, Terry. Okay. Lamont, what are you going to do now? Shadow's going to pay another call in the operating room and try to unravel this mystery. <laughs> See here, old man, I do think this thing has gone too far. Doctor, you promised me that we'd see this through together. I know, I know, but the second death is too much. <laughs> I should say that's understatement, Dr. Norton. Shadow again. Yes, gentlemen. This time I shan't be as lenient with you. The body on that table should be examined by me, not you, doctor. You fool the police with your first murder, you do the same with this second one. Uh, are you accusing us of killing? I am. Hello, what's this? So, step over here, gentlemen. That's it. Now, examine that mark behind the patient's left ear. Look, doctor. He's right. That tricornered puncture was the cause of this woman's death. Then it was murder. So, you agree with me at last. But, but you don't think that we, that we killed her? I'm not sure yet. I want you both to go to Dr. Norton's study. And do not leave there until the shadow calls. <laughs> Hello. Are you alone, Margot? Yes, yes, I'm on. I'm coming right up to your room. 
The murderer is about to strike again. Oh, no. Yes, darling. I have reason to believe that you've been selected as his next victim. Who is it? Guy Lamont, open up. Oh. Oh, I'm so glad it's you. I thought you like Marco quickly. Well, yes, surely, but... We must have darkness. Oh, enough you... light from the moon. You'll see. I purposely called you on the house phone, Margo, because I knew the murderer would be listening in. Then through his fear of my knowing his identity, he'll pick this time to try to kill us both. Oh, that's a pleasant little thought. But who is this murderer? I'm not mistaken. It'll be a long, black, highly poisonous snake. He's a tricornered mark on his victim. A snake? Oh, gosh, the they scare me to death. Quiet, please, darling. The snake may be in the room now, ready to strike. We've got to listen for it. Look out, Margo! I got him. Oh, Mark. I saw him come in through that window. I guess I closed it on him just in time. You cut his body in two. Yes. Well, that takes care of that. So that's our murderer. No, darling, only the instrument of death. Our murderer should be paying us a call in a moment to add the final macabre touch to what he expects has been a double killing this time. Listen. You hear that? Yes, it's that same sound. We'll stand over here by the wall. It sounds again as if he were descending a flight of stairs. And yet there are no yes, stairs. I, know, I don't speak. Just watch that panel on the wall. You see? It's slowly opening. All right, right. Oh, you got him! The mat, you got him! Yes, he'll play a different tune this time. Put on the light, Margaret. Right. Well, there's our murderer. Oh. Oh, that face. Those long fangs and those popping eyes. It doesn't look human. It isn't human, Margot. That's a mask. It's worn to hide his true identity. Now take it off. There. Well, Lamont, it's... That just about ends my story. But you can see what a mess I almost got Lamont and Miss Lane into. Fortunately for them, they found out the murderer in time. This killer's motive was a familiar one. Revenge. Trying to implicate those he thought had wronged him. As you've probably already deduced, the club foot was a disguise. And the weird music came from a strange oboe-like instrument that he used to hypnotize the snake. Oh, uh, yes, he thought he was being very smart. But, uh, well, right on down the line, it's been pretty well proven that the smart guy in the long run gets just what he gives out. Time to go, Terry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't realize I was so long. I'm just telling these people a story. Not a bad one, either, if I do say so myself. You'd better come along, Mason. Okay. Okay.
Having been sentenced to die for committing the crime of murder, I hereby pronounce Terry Mason legally dead. Rome wasn't built in a day, as the saying goes, and neither is the wherewithal it takes to make your dreams about the future come true. That little farm on the edge of town, that really long vacation trip you've been promising yourself. If you're air-minded, one of those nifty little private planes that'll be coming along in a few years. Those and lots of other things don't just happen. You have to plan for them. Save up the money it takes to make them come true. It's a swell break, therefore, that you can go right on buying United States savings bonds. Government guaranteed and good interest rate. Make United States savings bonds your best bet to back your future. Actually, for each $3 you invest, you get back four in just 10 years' time. Use the payroll savings plan or buy savings bonds yourself regularly at any bank or post office. Save today for a happy tomorrow by regularly buying and keeping United States savings bonds. And now the shadow again. The Shadow Program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The Shadow knows. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today's program was the last in the present series of Shadow Broadcasts. This feature was transcribed from an earlier broadcast. Next week, tune to your mutual station at 3.30 for the CBC Star Show. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System. <laughs>